childcare industry is absolutely huge with projections of over 73.8 billion by 2027. And there are so many wonderful childcare franchises. Join me as I talk with Gigi Schweikert, who's the CEO of Lightbridge Academy. Her background makes her the perfect CEO for this awesome franchise. Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. And welcome to another episode of Franchise You. With me today, I have Gigi Schweiker, who is the CEO of Lightbridge Academy. Welcome, Gigi. So glad you're here. Kathy, thank you for having me. I'm really excited for us to chat today. You have a lot to tell us. So you've been with Lightbridge since 2014. First, you were president, but now you've been CEO. But you have a lot of experience in childcare, including another franchise and even the United Nations. I mean, that is incredible. You are also an international keynote speaker, and you're an author on education, leadership, parenting, and work-life balance, and you've even been a television host. <laughs> when I looked at your background, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is fascinating. So Gigi, not only do you lead childhood education, but you write and speak about it. So tell us where you found your passion in childhood education. Yeah, so that's such a good question. And The thing that I realized when I look back on my life is that everything that I've done is the opportunity to teach, the opportunity to coach, the opportunity to inspire, um, the opportunity to encourage. And so I had always wanted to be a teacher when I was younger, and my parents had different ideas for me, Um, but I eventually landed in teaching and I landed in early childhood education teaching. So I actually started out as a toddler teacher and really understand what it means for the people who run our centers, for our company centers, and for the teacher who is really the face of the brand and who interacts with the parent on a daily basis. And while things have changed since those years, that has always been my passion. So good at working with children and kind of moved up the ladder, assuming that I'd be good at working with adults. And I guess that worked out all right. And um, had the opportunity to, as you indicated, work at the United Nations, which was so important to me because my background was very homogeneous upbringing. And it was wonderful to experience really the tapestry of all the different people of the world. And it was probably my most enriching opportunity in my professional life as far as that's concerned. Also the chance to set up on-site childcare centers for Fortune 100 and 500 companies. And that was really a great thing as well. It helped to open a, a Head Start program and, and then took some time off to really kind of raise my own four children. Um, started a consulting business from there and then came back to work and entered into what was at the time Rainbow Academy under Guy Fazzarano, the, the founder, and had experience for the first time franchising, which I absolutely love. The community of franchising is giving and collaborative and just so helpful across every sector. And it was a really refreshing environment to be in. So I just love the franchise concept. I I never realized when I was driving along that busy highway that all of those brands that I know were actually owned by individual people. And I think there are a lot of us out there who don't really understand what franchising is 
and how it really is what I would say the the rock of the United States and how we build small business. And it's just phenomenal to combine that passion with that opportunity for adults to grow too. Oh, that is so well said. And that is something that I definitely work on with my students is that almost everything you look at these days is a franchise. So you're right. But you've also written 18 books, which you know just amazes me. And I'm so impressed with that. But you have a series called Winning Ways for Early Childhood Professionals. Can you talk about your books? So I never thought that I would ever write a book. And I had a mentor, uh, Jim Greenman, who's who's since passed away, who's in the early childhood field, who encouraged me to write my first article after I had my first child. And that just led to the opportunity for me to continue to write. And my intention there with the Winning Ways series and everything that I write was twofold. One was that it was very simple. It was the things that I really didn't do anything exceptional. What I did was write down what so many people had been saying for so long about creating culture or about professionalism or about partnering with families, that it's not just caring for the child, it's caring for the family too. Um, And then the second thing I did, because at the time I was a regional manager, I was on the road all the time. So it'd be like a business coach. I was just on the road going everywhere. Um, and I'll date myself. So this is um, USA Today. And I was always intrigued by the the layout of that newspaper, very graphically designed, colorful, easy to read, lots of bullet points and plots and things like that. And so what I decided was when I create this Winning Way series, if you were to flip through the book and you only flip through and you only read one page, you'd take something with you mm. because there are only two paragraphs of prose before you move into a checklist or self-assessment or a scenario or a role play or, or something like that. And, and really meaningful because that's the way that we are now kind of taking in information, right. not in that long textbook novel type way, but more of a social, social media way. So that was kind of the piece behind it. One is to get the information that people need, the simple information that anybody who picks up the book could say, Oh, I could have written that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And secondly, is to put it in a format that's easily digestible and one that you can not necessarily a person, again, doesn't have to read the whole book, but you can say, well, you know, if you want to learn a little bit more about leadership, because now you're in this role, read this section or this is a great way to talk about how toddlers develop. And this might be super exciting to you. Or here's a great way to market your center. This is some local area marketing ideas. Take a peek here so that you're you're kind of not having to read everything, but you're getting the information that you need. Oh, my gosh. You are an early pioneer of what is called micro learning. And that is how <laughs> adults learn. So you are ahead of your time. It makes me want to go grab one of those books, even though I'm not in early childhood. I'm in well, very late, very late childhood. Yeah. So I'm not sure I was early in my time. I really applied a lot of things that you do with working with young children to working with adults. Smart, smart. And then the last piece that you do is you are also a keynote speaker. So can you tell us about that? So that too was um, through Jim Greenman, um, my mentor. And And I'll just pause here and say that I think everyone at all times should have someone that is mentoring them and someone they're mentoring because there's always someone who's a little further ahead the journey than you are, that you can ask questions, be vulnerable with, admit your mistakes, and someone that you can really go to to say, help me through this. I haven't stepped 
in these waters before. And so there are a lot of people right now who are helping me along my CEO journey. And I'm very grateful for that. But I also think it's important to be able to, you know, turn back around and to coach those people where you have taken some steps through leadership or what it's like to grow your franchise company or how you're engaging people who are not as engaged as you'd like them to be or what influence looks like and and those types of things. So it's been it's been really phenomenal um, in that way. And so to go back to really what you were talking about as far as the book situation and the keynote speaking is that Jim started me off on that and he asked if I would speak with him and I said, absolutely. So I figured that that's something that I could do. It happened to be an audience of many hundreds of people. So Mm -hmm. it was a little bit kind of thrown in there. And then, um, and then I, I did an okay job. And, and so, um, I, uh, had been asked to do some other things and then it kind of grew into something a little bit bigger than anticipated. But I think that, um, I think many of us do not see in ourselves the skill sets that we have, especially Mm -hmm. women. And I think especially people of color, because we haven't always been at the podium Mm -hmm. to to have that happen. And so I think if you have a Jim Greenman or a mentor or your mom or your partner or your best friend or even your kids who can see something in yourself that you can't see yourself. So he encouraged me to get out of my comfort zone, but he saw some gift zone skills. And that really comes from John Maxwell, stay in your gift zone, but get out of your comfort zone. And I love that. I love that. You should always be a little bit nervous. If you're not a little bit nervous, you're not learning anything new. Oh, that is so true. And I think all this must wrap up to make you just a stellar CEO, all the knowledge (laughs) you have and all that experience. I have to smile when you talk about gifts. I have a friend who, instead of saying like, I'm not good at math, she'll say, oh, I have other gifts. And I just think (laughs) that is so brilliant because it's such a positive spin on things. So I'm trying to adopt that as well. I like that spin. I, I think that's really important because that's what we do with children too, is that you know, is, is we're trying to help people to become the best that they can be. And everyone's right. got a little bit of a different bend. And that's what makes the world so exciting is that we're all so different. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about Lightbridge and starting with childcare. So childcare is a huge industry. And the projection that you all have stated on your website is 73.8 billion by 2027. And so Lightbridge Academy was established in 1997 by Guy Falzerano, and you talked about him. Mm -hmm. And you provide care and development of children starting with infants with about 140 centers, either open or under development. Can you tell us about your history? So the history of Lightbridge is phenomenal. Um, As I said before, this is my first opportunity in franchising, although I did some consulting work with other franchisors um, in the sector. Um, This is my first full-time job in, in the industry. Guy Falzerano was a terrific mentor and is continues to be a, a great man. He's since retired, but really kind of helped me to understand what was happening in franchising and recognizing that if you have a passion about a business concept, whether that passion is about early childhood education, or whether that passion is about swim schools, or that passion is about home repair and improvement, or that passion is about car washes or whatever it might be, is that being able to share that business model with someone else 
is a tremendous thing to do so that it you're starting to do something like the child care centers that he developed and people start asking, wow, how could I be part of this? You recognize that you may have a great model for a franchise, right? And so he started that franchising a little bit before I came in. We did some rebranding. The, the, the name was Rainbow when I started to Lightbridge Academy. And then we really started along the avenue of looking at who are the people that we wanted to, to work with. Um, who were those franchisees? And when you're starting in the very beginning, you know, if someone's willing to give you a franchise fee, you're kind of like, oh, they'd be a good fit. And recognizing that we're looking for people who do want to reap the benefit of their hard work in a financial way, but also people who are passionate about making a difference. We really feel that when a Lightbridge Academy comes to a community, we have what we call the circle of care, and there are five stakeholders. There's the child in the middle. We want to delight and educate the child. And we've got the parent consumer. We have all of our employees who make it happen every day. We have our owners who are taking risk and are putting themselves out there and really working and creating legacy and, and financial acumen. And then we have the community as well. So I feel like we provide an incredible service. Our buildings are beautiful. We hire jobs. We give back to the community. We empower the franchisees and we create a supportive work environment. So I think all around, it's really just a win-win situation for everyone. And I do believe that before I got on this call, I was I had the opportunity to talk about our foundation and to meet with the executive director and I think one of the great things about franchising or any business, um, but especially franchising, is that when we reach a certain level of responsibility, when we reach a certain level of accountability, when we reach a certain level of financial wherewithal, it is not only a good thing, uh, but I think it is our responsibility to give back mm-hmm. to the community. Um, and so that's one of the things that we talk about when we're vetting franchisees, do they fit that mold? Do they fit that mold of someone who's passionate? Do they fit that mold of someone who works to work hard? Uh, do they have a lot of integrity? And do they want to make the world a better place? Mm-hmm. And I can see that because you mentioned your philanthropic foundation. Tell us a little bit about that, please. So the foundation is phenomenal. Um, we have over a million dollars at this point, which is which is a lot for a smaller company. Wow. So very, very proud of that. We require our franchisees to contribute a certain amount of money each year to the foundation. Um, they can do that through the many ways that we show them through children, you know, selling cupcakes or through the money that they make on doing class pictures or things like that. Or it can it can just be a check. We prefer that people get engaged in their community and raise that money that way. But we work really in an interesting way. We have one partner that's a national partner that we work with called Spread the Joy. And Spread the Joy is putting together packages of fun, entertaining things that children who are hospitalized for a long amount of time can enjoy and uh, have fun with. And then the second thing that we do is we really give back to the community. Mm. So if someone has a house fire, if someone has a medical issue, if someone has been laid off of their job, any of those types of things, you can submit something to the foundation and then we'll take a look at it at the foundation board 
and um, then most likely um, provide someone with a donation and an opportunity for them to kind of get back on their feet with the little that we can do. Ah, that is great. That is really something, Gigi. Thanks for sharing that. If you can tell us just a little bit more, so your website's noted that you have a reputation as the solution for working parents by meeting the evolving needs for high quality early childhood education. So you start with infants and what is the (laughs) age limit? So we start with six weeks. Um, oh, wow. So if you can imagine a little six week and it's oh it's gosh. really all about trust. And then we go up to 12 years during the summer. But it's interesting, Kathy, it's a really good question, too, because we we have a lot of different quality methods that we look at like any franchise company would, whether those are KPIs or whether that's Mm -hmm. a quality assurance audit where we go out, whether it's a secret shop or whether we're doing calls or any of the many different things that we do to ensure that there's quality in each of the centers. But for me, ultimately, as the mother of four, is that my ultimate quality piece is when I walk into a center And when I walk into a classroom and I see a teacher, my thought is, would I hand my child to her or to him? And that's the, the, the really the ultimate in what that quality looks like. Mm -hmm. So I think that with Lightbridge, as we grow and as we're able to provide care for parents as well as children, that it's something that's innovative because really the child has been seen as the consumer. And while educating and caring for the child and making sure they're safe is the most important thing that we do, is that in today's world, helping that parent who doesn't necessarily have relatives nearby to really integrate, and I don't call it work-life balance, I call it work-life integration. Uh How do you integrate that work-life? How do you make the two work together? Is that it's our responsibility again to help parents. And that means locating facilities where they need help, having hours where they need help, being very customer service focused and very lack of judgment. Being a parent is a very hard thing to do. Um, It's making sure that we give parents education, that we have e-communication tools so that they can see what's happening with their child, that they can use mobile devices to connect with our teachers, that we have cameras in the classroom and that they can access and see what their child is doing from any device that they have anywhere in the world. And so we really believe that to help that working family that we use technology to bring bring people together. And I'll just add one more thing there. I think that COVID, having worked in early childhood education for over 30 years, is that what what COVID did for us, because so many were closed, especially in the Northeast, so many childcare centers, was really show that it's a place for children to learn, but it's also the economic backbone. It's the backbone of economy for working parents. Parents can't go to work. And many women left their jobs, more women than men, left their jobs during COVID because they didn't have access to childcare. Right, right. That definitely demonstrated the criticality of childcare in the U.S. Absolutely. So um, it's wonderful after having spent so many years in this industry to be able to actually hear people on the government levels, federal and state and chambers of commerce and everyone talking about how important early childhood education is. 
Uh, I bet. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the franchising at Lightbridge. So I dug into your FDD, which I always love to do. <laughs> and I have a few questions. It was a it was a lengthy one as well. So there is a center development fee, which looks like extensive support in finding the right location. And that is a little unusual to offer that much that much support. So I thought maybe you could tell us what this service is all about. Yeah. So um, an, another good comment and, and question about that development support. So I think two things is one, we grew up and we continue to have corporate centers, 17 corporate centers that we operate. So we really understand and continue to understand the day-to-day drivers of our franchisees because we live it every single day. I think it gives us an opportunity to share best, best practices. I think that we provide an exceptional amount of, of support. And I say that because our franchisees have told us that. And because over 60% of our franchisees are multi-unit owners. And that says to me, I believe in the concept. I believe in the brand. And I want to, to replicate that. So the reason that we provide so much support is that we grew up in the Northeast where there's a lot of geographic constraint. Mm -hmm. So we can't just, you know, find a great big plot of land and build a building on it. And so we've had to morph into um, what's called second generation um, space. So something that used to be something else. How do we change it into a child care center? And so there are a lot of things that you and a lot of regulation around child care, where mm. you can be, where you can't be, what's safe, what's not safe, the amount of water that you need, all these types of things. And so we really feel that it's very important to make sure that someone gets that exact right location. It's the location that everyone's looking for in franchising through the demographics but it's also the location that is going to meet the regulations, the location that's going to be safe for children, the location that's going to give us the greatest opportunity to utilize the business model as it was intended to be used, whether that's before school care, after school care, summer care, um, all kinds of, of, of different things that are happening. And so what we have found is that, and I think a lot of franchisors will agree with this and franchisees, if you find the right site and you have the right business model, you have a very good chance of being extremely successful. Mm-hmm. And so we really like to spend a lot of time up front making sure that we're we're getting that right site. And one of the things that we say as a guarantee, um, one of the promises that we make is that we wouldn't we wouldn't set up a, a site that we wouldn't run ourselves as mm-hmm. a company center. And so we really want to vet that location to make sure that it fits all the criteria. And so we're helping people to do that. Sometimes this is the first time someone's ever signed a commercial lease. This is the first time anyone's ever had to put a personal guarantee on something. Those are scary things to oh, do. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, you know, um, I noticed there's quite a bit in there about you can lease or you can buy. And of course, the investment varies. But what is most prevalent given where most of your centers are? Do they lease or do they buy? So um, it's a great question. Again, most people are are leasing right now. Pre-COVID, we had a, a time where more people were starting to develop and now I think that with what's happening in the, the economy with cost and interest rates and things like that, that what usually looks most favorable to a franchisee with their first unit 
is to do a lease. And then usually with the second unit, they have a lot more opportunities for loans and capital based on the cash flow that's coming from that first unit. So that's typically what we're seeing, although we are also open to selling to multi-unit initially um, if someone has experience in the franchising industry or some sort of other business acumen where they may have a back office of HR, accounts payable, receivable, and things of that nature. So we're looking for the the right fit. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And you also, I found this interesting, you offer a reduced royalty fee for the first six months of operations. What is the rationale behind that great discount? Yeah, so we do two things. Um, We reduce the royalty fee and we also help the franchisee to get a lease where the rent is only half of the rent for either six weeks, six months, sometimes for an entire year. And the reason is, is because childcare franchising is a little bit different in opening up, say, a coffee shop. Is opening a coffee shop, if people know your brand and they're aware and it's in a certain location, mm-hmm. um, you're probably going to be doing really well the first couple of weeks. Right. But in early childhood education, you're usually starting with a few children and then ramping up over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. In some of the states where there's a really great need of childcare, some of our centers are opening almost full, but we don't want to start day one with 180 children who are leaving their mom or dad's arms and crying um, because there's a little bit of separation. Other kids just run in there with a smile on their Mm -hmm. face. And some kids are a little hesitant, but everybody works out at the end. Um, So we usually stagger that enrollment, even if we have a, a nice big enrollment in the very beginning. Oh, that makes so much sense. You know, you're right. There's that emotional element that you don't see on paper that's real in your in your centers for sure. Also, as expected, there are some extensive requirements regarding insurance. Can you just share some of this top line of what's required? Yeah. So um, the insurance piece is is really important to us. The insurance, I think people are a little concerned and often back off. If someone is in the restaurant industry and wants to diversify their portfolio, they may back off and think, mm, I don't want to get into childcare. That's a, that, that may be a little bit messy with insurance. Typically not the issue as far as being concerned about the health and safety of a child or the abduction of a child or anything like that. And in fact, one of the things that I would say to someone in, you know, the restaurant industry is, well, that's 24 seven, whereas we're Monday through Friday, nine to five, not really nine to five, more like seven to seven, but still a little, a little bit different there, but we're making sure that there's liability. We're making sure that there's any sexual misconduct. If there were to be anything like that, all of the things that are important to make sure that your business is covered as well as the brand as second insured. And the thing that we're currently looking into and making sure, and we're going to be moving forward with this in the future with our franchisees is cybersecurity um, and cyber insurance as well. So making sure that you're protected in that way and making sure that we're educating our franchisees about that. Oh, I can see that. That seems to be everywhere right now. So excellent. So you talked a little bit about what you're looking for in franchisees. Do they have to have childcare or educational backgrounds to become a franchisee? They do not. So that is another thing that people think, well, I don't know anything about children. Now, here's the thing we do require. We do require you to like children. (laughs) (laughs) There's that. Yes. We had had some prospective franchisees who really liked the, the return 
but weren't so favorable about favorable about children. So that was not a good match. Um, But we are really looking for people who are passionate about giving back. We're looking for people who are good leaders. um, And we're looking for people who are really want to have great customer experience, provide great customer service. So each childcare center required by different regulations and also by Lightbridge and accreditation standards has to have a professional director. And this mm-hmm. director may have to have a master's degree if they're in New York City or a bachelor of a certain um, type of uh, college if they're in another state. And so there really is that person along with, and it's typically um, a woman, but it can be a man as well, um, typically oversees the an assistant director and an administrative assistant as well when the occupancy is up to 60% or above and overseeing anywhere from from 30 to 40 people so um employees so it's not necessary for the franchisee to have experience in education or with children um it is always easier if you have been around children if you have children of your own if you've experienced early childhood education as a consumer Um, And then obviously, if you have some leadership qualities. And then the other thing that we're really looking for is somebody just with a good heart, a kind person. One of the first core values that we have is care deeply, just really care about people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we feel like if people come with that attitude that our business model is so strong and and so well put together that if you follow that recipe of of that business model but you come with that passion that it is likely going to be a very successful interaction. Oh, that's great. You know, you can't train someone to care. No, so it's you either so it's there or it's not. That's true. That's true. Well, Gigi, just a couple last questions about you. So you've done a lot in your 30 plus year career. I mean, it's just astounding. What are you personally most proud of? Wow. What I, I'm personally most proud of um, my four children. Of I'm course. personally most proud of being a mom. I believe that I would, you know, rather do fourth quarter earnings, which are lo- usually lower in our in our industry, than put a coat on a toddler. Um, so I think that being a mom and being a parent is one of the most difficult things that you'll do. And despite where you are from an education point of view, from an economic point of view, is that parenting can be the most joyful thing that you do. And it can also reduce you to your lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think parents today with all the things that are happening really need support. And I think that Lightbridge provides that. And I didn't always have that support. And so it just makes me so proud to have that with my own children and to be able to take that and be able to know how parents feel who are dropping their children off with us every day makes me super proud. Uh-huh. Um, but if you were asking me the second thing, because um, I think a lot of people will say they're, they're children, um, it would be the opportunity to be um, a CEO. It would be the opportunity for Guy to believe in me Um, to position me for this position, for the private equity group that we have now to uh, believe in me as well, to encourage me, to provide me with the resources that I need. And it's especially meaningful for me, Kathy, because there are not a lot of women who are in this role. That's right. And I got a lot of emails from 
the women that work at our company that, wow, this is so cool. And it is. But as you could see, if you go to my LinkedIn, even two weeks ago, is that I still, after two years in the position, feel that imposter syndrome. Mm. Like, I don't know enough about finance or I know a lot about real estate, but oh gosh, that that one particular piece is hard. Or I know about technology, but I'm not sure about this integration with, you know, accounting platforms. And so I just keep trying to remind myself that my job isn't to know everything. Correct. My job is to bring together a team of people who can work collaboratively and can bring a knowledge base that still doesn't know everything, but at least we can kind of figure out where we need to get the knowledge. Well said, well said. And my last question for you, because franchising, as you mentioned, was, I guess, once you came to Lightbridge, you started the franchising world. What do you wish you had known before you started in franchising? I wish I had known that franchising is not all about money. Mm. I think that people think on the outside, when you're looking at a brand and someone's entering into whatever that is, like I said, restaurants or home maintenance or any of that, that that's why a person's doing it. People do want to do something for their family and they do want to be rewarded for hard work. And that is a wonderful thing. And I want that as well for my family. But I think people do it because they have such a passion for it, a passion for serving people, a passion for making a difference in a person's life. I mean, I make a difference. Our company makes a difference. Lightbridge makes a difference by helping a family or a child. But someone who helps someone fix their roof, that's significant. Mm -hmm. And I just think that I wish I had known that franchising makes the United States go round. I love that. Love that. Well, Gigi, thank you so much for making a difference with us today. Certainly appreciate it. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Franchise You is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise You.